This really has been an Advent season, like each, each uh, message has been a focus on this. And what a, what a great thing to have an annual focus in our lives on, on the arrival of the promise of God. And then again, we do it in the spring with, with the focus on the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it's just like, why would we do that? Because it's central to our identity and to the purpose and the work of God in the earth. It's just, just thrills my soul. And so I wanna talk about this in the context of, I hear the airplane going over there just they're blessed, they wanna get close to the glory. Maybe it's a helicopter, we're not sure. But the, uh, the, I think that we are living in a time of great, you know, one, gross darkness has covered the earth, but we are living in a time where God has such great things in store and it's been happening. You know, it's an amazing thing when you put the body of Christ under pressure, what comes out is, faith and love and fruit and boldness and miracles and signs and wonders. And so we're living in this season of encounter that is, you know, it's, it's the, it always, seasons of encounter always proceed like real outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna bring this, not only, you know, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, we live in anticipation of his second coming, and it, but then in between, we live for these, you know, we live our lives holy offerings unto him, anticipating those times and seasons when he pours out his spirit, and it really changes us with encounters. Like, we're more changed by an encounter with God in, you know, which could take place over a minute or a few hours or a few days when we, when we, receive that encounter into our lives and make it part of who we are, it bears fruit for the rest of our lives. And so I just, you know, I wanna say, we're in this time. You know, we're in, in a time of arrival, and it may not be his parousia, you know, the great day of the Lord that we're waiting for, but it may be that there's an arriving of promises that we haven't seen to date. And so I, I wanted to... I'm gonna give you the, the end of the message before we start, in case I run out of time at the end, you know, so. Um, but, so I just wanna focus on this, on, on these three words that describe people, the impact of significant visitations of God in their lifetime, and they're the words wonder and treasure and ponder. And so this is in, in Luke 2, toward the end, um, about, I'm gonna start with verse 16, but it, the shepherds have been, in, have encountered an angelic army that was singing. This is how we fight our battles. You know, this is, you know, this is what the angels are doing to release strategies of God. And so they, they said, we have to go see this thing that was spoken to us. This, we wanna see with our own eyes the word that the angel spoke to us. And they run and they come to Mary and Joseph and the baby and, you know, and there's, this whole thing goes on. And then they, after they saw it, they go out and they tell everybody. And verse 16 says, all who heard, and all who heard, all who heard of it wondered at what the shepherds told them. 
They all wondered. They were in awe. That word means it's kind of like it blasted their mind. You know, it's what Chandi, when he got up at the end of the worship, he said, everything we've been singing, it's like these impossibilities that are possible with God. And so they're, they're in awe. Their minds are just like being reprogrammed. So they all wondered at what the shepherds told them. And then it says, but... Mary, I guess these are verses 18 and 19. I forgot to bring my reading glasses, so I'm guessing on the numbers because they're extra small. Okay, but Mary treasured up all things, all these things. Mary treasured them, pondering them in her heart. And so we have these responses The one everybody heard there wondered. It's like at that moment in that encounter with the reality of God, what happened was as the shepherds were sharing it, the reality of what they were sharing was transmitted in the communication. This is what happens when you give your testimony. This is what happens when you share, like this is what God has done. You know, this is there's a release, like God is in that testimony and it brought wonder and awe into their lives. They're like, whoa. Now, we might wonder ourselves why why the revival didn't start and continue at that time, but I think what it is is a lot of us, we we get touched by encounters, but we don't know how to steward them. And so Mary becomes the great stewardess, if you want to use that word, the great stewardess of this wonder. And it says she treasured all the things that the shepherd said. And then later, and later on, it, it, she did the same thing when she and Joseph went and found Jesus sitting in the temple. But she treasured them, which it means she guarded them. She made sure this, and she valued them and guarded them, and she kept them safe in her heart, and she didn't let circumstances or public opinion or tragedy or great joy steal that. And so there's a thing, I just wanna encourage us, that we treasure the moments of encounter and don't forget them. Because everything in life wars against those. Like, ah, yeah, that was last year, that was yesterday. Are you guys still gonna talk about something that happened 25 years ago? I wanna tell you something. 50 years ago today, I was madly in love. I was 21 years old, and Anne, who I'd had a big crush on since I was 14, was back in my hometown, and we were spending time together, and I was getting ready to give her my hippie proposal, which is, hey, if we're still together at the summer solstice, maybe we should get married. To which she answered, okay, you know, like, this is like, this is like non-traditional, and and we didn't know Jesus yet, but I'm telling you, but I want to treasure that through all the good times and all the bad times and all the challenges and all the upheavals and, the, and all the spats and things that were worse than spats and, you know, getting offended at each other. But you treasure, like, no, that's the reality. That's called the first love. So Mary treasured these things. Through, you know, Joseph seems to have died because he just kind of disappears from the story. She, and then, you know, she's told by Simeon, you know, this, this child is for the rising and falling of many in a sign and will be even for your own heart will be pierced with sorrow. Like, how does that feel? 
So she was there. And not only that, she pondered it, which means she didn't just keep it as a memory, but she would take it out and, and like, wow, what does this mean? What, is it still real? Yes, it's still real. And I just wanna say the promises and the encounters you've had with God are still real. And even if you think they were lost, you have to rely on the word of God that his gifts and his callings are without repentance. He hasn't changed his mind. We don't doubt in the darkness what God tells us in the light. You know, this is the principle. She pondered them in her heart. And so what was the result? The result was she was there at the foot of the cross when her son and her own heart was pierced through with sorrow. But then in that, she, get, she is assigned to John. Like, John, behold your mother. Woman, behold your son. And, and Jesus, as the firstborn son, is passing on this responsibility, not to his own brethren, but to John, the beloved. And then she's there at, in the upper room. She is there at the day of Pentecost. And after that, we don't know. Everything else we know about her is from tradition or church history. But it's like, this is amazing. I want to be there at the right moments. Like, I don't want to lose it. So God, I just pray there'd be a grace on us to treasure and to, to not only be in wonder, but also to treasure and to ponder the encounters we have with God. And I just pray right now that God would reactivate things that have been dormant or fallen asleep. And even, you know, at the beginning of the year, the Lord gave me this word, said, awake, arise, count it all joy, I hasn't seen nor ear heard the things I've prepared for my people, and his eyes are always scouring the face of the earth, looking for those who will, he can partner with, who, whose hearts are toward him perfectly, and he can show himself strong. So God, we just pray there'd be a grace and a, a reawakening of lost promises, and I just thank you, Lord, that when it seemed like it's over, it's not over. And so, okay, the arrival of the king. That's, now you've got the whole message. You could leave if you want, and I won't be offended. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see you later. Just bless you, and uh, God bless you. <laughs> well, that was good. They got it all in a, in a nutshell. Uh, they had to leave if you're watching online. That's why I'm just laughing. Okay. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. John 1.14, and the Word became flesh. And this is what all the wonder is about. And this is, the, this is the humility of God in display. It's an amazing thing that humility gives us grace. And Paul writes to the Philippians, Philippians 2.2, complete my joy, like make my joy overflow. And how do you do that? By, by being of one mind, one heart, and one accord. Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's a basic, like how do we stay in the flow of God? Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus. Verse six, who, though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality God a thing to be grasped. Chandi preached on this, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. But, the, but in the margin for that, not a thing to be grasped, it, what it means is it wasn't something he wanted to use for his own advantage, but he wanted to give away everything that would be helpful for others, you know. And verse seven, he emptied himself by taking on the form of the servant and is born in the likeness of men. And so we were just singing it. This, you know, this amazing modern hymn, The Arrival. Who is God 
that he would take our frame, the artisan inside the paint, or breathe the very breath his breath sustains, the very air his breath sustains, the architect inside the plan. This is the wonder. Who is God? And here's the wonder of it. The humility of God opens up the salvation of this world and the reconciliation of all things. Could it be that your own humility, my own humility, is actually what opens up the plan of God? Not my assertion, not my going after it, like this is mine, I'm claiming it, but, and I'm not against people claiming things that they're sure God has given them, but it's just like, it's like, oh, this is always the way up is the way down. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. It's God's faithfulness. But we're, you know, and we recognize timing. So how did this happen? You know, John just says, you know, the word became flesh, but Matthew and Luke give us more insight into it. And he did it through family. And there's this whole cast of characters that are involved. There's the, and angels visited the barren priest, the faithful barren priest. And angels visited a Galilean virgin named Mary and visited her. An angel came to Joseph in a dream when his heart was broken, when he decided to put her away and spoke to him and gave him the name to name him. And then, and then God uses people that don't even love him. He used Augustus Caesar to say, I need more taxes. Okay, everybody has to go to their, their ancestral place to pay their taxes, which actually fulfilled prophecy so that Jesus would be born, at that, as was spoken by the prophet Micah, in Bethlehem of Judea that was considered too little to be counted among the clans of Judah, out of whom would come the ruler who was from eternity. And then then there's the shepherds who we'll look at a little more. But here's, God works with messy storylines. If you wanna turn to Matthew 1, you'll see this totally messy storyline. And Matthew writes this nativity really from the point of view of Joseph and the point of view of uh, he's writing to Jewish people with a Jewish audience in mind. So he's dealing with the, the, pa- the patriarchal line. But it, I love how it starts out. Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And you're like, oh, yeah, those are great, amazing people. But you know, when you read through the storyline, you see a big mess. You know, Abraham you know, had Isaac, and Isaac, the son of laughter, had, had Judah, and then Judah, who you know, was not an exceptional son at the point, he has the next one in line through Tamar, which is a very messy story that I won't go into. But eventually, you know, one of their, their grandsons is named Salmon, and this is kind of a fishy story, but Salmon <laughs> marries Rahab the harlot, who is a Canaanite and a prostitute in Jericho, and he marries her. And she became a believer. She protected the spice. You know the story. But then Salmon and Rahab had a little boy named Boaz, or no, named Obed, and Obed had Jesse. And anyway, Obed had, Boaz shows up, you know, a couple generations later. I have all this stuff in my mind, and then it gets messed up when I said it. But Boaz marries Ruth the Moabitess, and the Moabites were never supposed to enter into the 
you know, to the uh, sanctuary of God for 10 generations. Boaz marries Ruth, and Ruth has a little boy named Obed, and he, has a, he gets married and has a, a boy named Jesse, and Jesse gets married and has a boy named David. And David is the youngest, and he's too little to count when the prophet comes. Amazing story. And so David has a boy named Solomon through the wife of Uriah. It's right there in Matthew 1. Like, God is not ashamed of the things we're ashamed of. Like, he just tells it like, my glory is to save sinners. My glory is to use people that are a big mess. Come on. Like, just, we break off condemnation. We break off false regrets from things that God already forgave. And you don't want to do them again, but you want to walk in the joy that you're forgiven and that there's destiny in you. Are we, are we good here? Okay, so they had Solomon, and Solomon, he had his troubles too. I mean, glory and mess went together. He had a little boy named Rehoboam, and Rehoboam grew up, and when he became king, he split the kingdom because he was stupid and listen to the young guys instead of the old guys. Rehoboam, and then it goes on until they end up in captivity. Like, this is a bad story. And then there's a bunch of people we've never heard of during captivity, but one of them finally has a little boy named Joseph who, mar- who gets engaged to Mary, and Joseph names by adoption the son that was conceived in the, in the, in the virgin birth. I was gonna say immaculate conception, but that's... That's something entirely different. <laughs> this was the, you know, the conception in Mary's womb was the conception that saved the world. But, but Joseph, because he's not the father, the angel comes to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. This child in her is from the Holy Spirit and therefore he'll be called the son of God and I want you to marry her and I want you to give your son a name, name him Jesus, because he'll save his people from his sin. Isn't that amazing? This is an angel in a dream coming to Joseph. God, I just pray for encounters that he could have woken up and thought like, wow, what a weird dream that was. But it wasn't because he knew God was on it. And sometimes you just pray that when you wake up and you can't forget a dream, you'll recognize that it was given to you by God and it has meaning. It could be symbolic or it could be, rarely is it perfectly like, but sometimes it is. That sound means do it ABC, <laughs> okay, in case you wonder what, what that meant. But, and so, so let's, let's look at the story here. Matthew 1:18, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, which of course had never happened in the history of the world and has never happened since. So do you wonder why Joseph would be struggling with this? And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, he was a sadiq. He was, he was holy. He was joyful. He was a man. Everyone recognized God on him. And he, and he was unwilling to put her to shame because he actually loved her. He, I mean, his heart's broken, but he doesn't want to destroy her, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And I just told you what the angel said. And, and this was to fulfill, verse 22, all this t- place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, which would be Isaiah. Uh, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Is that wild? Do you realize that there was no rabbinic tradition that took 
Isaiah 7:14 and said, this is a messianic prophecy. This was something the Holy Spirit showed to Matthew. Like, you know, and Matthew said, oh, here, we're connecting the dots. God is keeping his promises through all the mess and through all the generations and through everybody who failed. And it looked like the devil was in charge of the world and God is laughing like, <laughs> they don't have any clue what I'm about to do. And so the virgin will conceive and bear a son and they'll name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Very interesting that Matthew, at the end of his gospel, in Matthew 28, verse 20, the Great Commission, Jesus says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that amazing? God, he's Emmanuel. He's still Emmanuel. He's with us to the end of the age. So I just release that to you that you'd know going through all the Christmas craziness and all the things that are impossible, that expectations and, and stress, that God is with you. And wherever God is, there is perfect peace. I just declare that over you. And, uh, and so when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. And he knew her not until she had given birth, and he called his name Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That God said, Joseph, this is going to be hard on you, but I'm going to give you an honor that you're going to name the one. And so he did. We're singing it in that song, The Arrival, the holy word of God defined by name. The author climbed inside the and so now we get to the place, the place of Bethlehem. And you know the story. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered so they could be taxed. That's the reason. Anyway, they go to Bethlehem, and you know the story um, that he, he went there to be registered with Mary as betrothed who was with child, which is kind of in the same sentence. This is a funny statement. You know, like they're not married yet, but she's way pregnant. And... Uh, <laughs> And so they go to Bethlehem. We miss these things, you know, because it's, we just, it, they're so familiar to us. It's like, well, of course, you know, but to the people reading, it's like, what? You know, like, uh, verse, Luke 2, verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And, and of course, in all our Christmas plays, it's as soon as they get there. So who knows? God someday will know the whole story. Verse 7 And she gave birth. Isn't that amazing? She gave birth. God was born. God, who created all things. The Word created, the Father created all the universe through the Son. The Word, and, and he enters his creation and a human woman gives birth to the uncreated God. No, like, I just pray you... So there's sometimes where we have to not try to figure out, how did that happen? Because <laughs> it's like, uh, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And it, it, it's an interesting thing here. She, he, she wrapped him in swaddling cloths, which was, there was tradition there, and laid him in a manger. And recently, uh, in The Chosen, it might have been in their Christmas special, but they, they share this bit of, which I assume is recent 
you know, scholarship, because I haven't been able to find it in any commentary and stuff, because I don't like to just repeat things I hear, but that the, the shepherds outside of Bethlehem were, were a unique group of shepherds because they were tending sheep that were intended for the sacrifices at the temple and that they would take the lamb that was intended for the sacrifice and wash it down and wrap it in these swaddling cloths and that, that that's the... So they make a connection between that and the swaddling cloth that is used to wrap Jesus as the sacrificial lamb of God. It's, it's beautiful. And I, but the, they laid him in a manger, which traditionally may have been stone, right? And so this is followed at the end of Luke's gospel in chapter 23, when it says they took down the body of Jesus off the cross, wrapped him in a linen shroud, and laid him in a stone tomb that had never been used. It's just crazy, isn't it, how God, it's like this, he came into the world. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world for us. God, open our eyes to this great love. So this is, um, again, from the song, The Arrival, the one who had no start and knows no end became confined in time and tense. The everlasting God, the great I am, in the mercy of a mother's hand. I love, I am became the one who was and is and is to come. He entered into time and tense. Thank you. The one who did not come to be, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life a ransom for, for many. Again, I love that song, The Arrival. It wrecks me. I, I just... The one who holds the stars in the creases of his hand is the one who holds my heart like a mother once held him. And I have to confess, I don't know how that is. He holds our hearts like a mother holds, like his mother once held him. I'm assuming this is her best moment of her best day. You know, that she's in that intense moments of bonding that mothers have with their children. And at times, you know, where our humanity manifests itself. But, but I just say, God, do you really, you really hold our hearts with that much, like your heart, your heart, your heart. He holds your heart like the best mother on her best day in her best moment held and saw the treasure that she was holding. And he holds your heart and he sees the treasure that's in your heart, something you can't see. Mm. Thank you, God. The one who knows what lies where space has run its course embraced a baby's mind and now I can know my God. So now we, we you know, as we continue the story, we come to the shepherds. And I love the shepherds, you know, because they're, they're just working guys, you know, and they're, <laughs> they're out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night, verse eight, two, eight, verse nine, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. God, I just, I just want to declare that we're, there will be seasons in this coming year for many of you where 
you will encounter the glory of God and, and you will be overcome with a, this sense of great awe and fear. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Sometimes we, we just need to be delivered from using God, you know, or, or thinking we know how it works, or, you know, if I say these things, this will happen. And I'm always in awe and wonder. I, I, we were in a prayer meeting last Saturday night at the Sarasota House of Prayer, and I put my hand on Anne's back, and I wasn't feeling particularly holy, but Anne said that, you know, all this heat came out of her. And I know many of us, we get used to this, and that's, there's a great confidence in that, like even on my bad day if I pray for people. In fact, sometimes when it's the worst, that's when he does the best. But that we, we don't become, we, we treasure that. And we ponder it and we wonder, God, what does this mean? What if I ever got it all together? Not in my sight, but in your sight. Like, what would you do? God, I just, I just pray a release of signs and wonders in this coming year. I, I pray, pray a release of the increase of healings and breakthroughs, words of knowledge, words of wisdom that are used by God to bring salvation to many. Because the same thing coming through you has a, that a potential like what was coming through Mary. Okay, not, I don't know if it's ever equal, but it, it's like that, that you're carrying Jesus in you. Angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, I bring you good news of great joy. This was a proclamation of a coming kingdom. That, the word good news there is, the, you know, is translated as the evangel, you know, the, the declaration of, of victory. And it's of great joy. It's mega joy. We just release in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of mandates and pandemics and political blah, 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 that there's great joy released in you. And when there's great joy that's released in you, it makes you immune from the spirit of this age, which is sent to distract, discourage, and bring you to despair. And with that great joy comes great hope. Come on, there's a release of it. He comes and he announces mega joy in the presence of God is fullness of joy. He's telling you the presence of God is with you. Okay, and so the angel, and he said, I bring you good news of great joy there, and it's for all people. For unto you is born this day, it's to you. Isn't that amazing that the angel's saying this to the shepherds? They're like, us, you know, to you guys, to you all. That's, that's the word. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. A savior, that's what everybody's waiting for. Will someone rescue me from this mess? Will someone change the situation? That's all these are, are the meaning of the word savior. Who is Christ the Lord? Now he's saying he's the Messiah, but he's also God. See, when they're saying Christ the Lord, the Lord, it, that's like code for Yahweh. That's code for Jehovah, the covenant-keeping, uncreated creator of all things. They're declaring his divinity and his humanity. They're declaring that he's the Messiah, but he's more than what they were expecting. Whew, and this will be a sign for you. And the sign is you're gonna find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, which would be like, okay, that's the sign. So suddenly, and I need the worship team to come up here. 
Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. So this is the armies of heaven coming rank upon rank of angels. They're coming and they're praising God and they're saying this, glory to God in the highest. Like you have to realize the whole world was in darkness. The evil empire of Rome was ruling the country and all these angels are just having it down. They're having a party. They're saying glory to God in the highest on earth, peace. There's been no peace since Adam fell. They're saying, we're declaring shalom on the earth among those with whom, with whom God is pleased. And so there's, they're declaring there's going to be a new humanity that arises that can please God well. By, you know, they're, they're predicting the new birth, basically. And, uh, and so this is the song of glory. And why don't you stand from your throne and so why did it happen? Because it was the fullness of time and the fullness of time did not look like the fullness of time. And God stoops from his throne, the monarch of the stars, the king above all kings becomes the ruler of our hearts and the savior for my sins. And the one who sees what lies in each and every soul in embraced our finite eyes and now we can see our God. And that's why, God, and so then they went and they told Joseph and Mary and, and the people heard what they said and they were like in wonder and Mary took it and treasured it in her heart and pondered it, took it out and pondered it regularly. So I just pray the release of this stewardship in your life that you will, in, yet you will not only be in wonder that, that you'll be able to like be free from the, the busyness and the pressure of life, just, and it only takes a moment. Like even if you're all stressed out, in a moment, God can encounter you and change everything. And that there would be a heart in you, like the heart of Mary, that you will take those things and guard them, ponder them. Are you good? Okay. So I just thought before we're done, and I, that I just wanted to finish this, that we would go back into worship and this worship is our prayer. And it's our prayer, not just for, because, you know, next Saturday is Christmas day, but this is our prayer because this is a season when God's promises are arriving. Are you with me? God, open our hearts and open our minds that we would worship you with our whole heart, every day, everything, and I just, want to prophesy before we, before we, because this is kind of like the conclusion singing, but I want to prophesy that many of you, God's going to open up avenues and doorways to share the reality of the gospel of Jesus in your work, in your business, as you go in places, because as the darkness increases, people are more and more open. God, we thank you that you use crisis, that you cause all things to work together in good. God, keep us wise keep us at the right place at the right time that we would be there. Even when there's no room for what you're doing in the end, that you would make a better place, a more holy place, and you would bring all the right people across our paths in Jesus' name. Fresh, fresh, fresh. Amen, amen, amen. Can we just say thank you, God, that this is going to be an amazing year that you entered into the world to show that you keep your promises and you said that 
all the earth would be filled with your glory as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Amen. So let's sing and celebrate his arrival.
God, thank you that you see what's in each and every heart. God, thank you that you are present, you're present here to not only set us free, to not only save us from our sins and heal our diseases, you're here to deliver us from even the limitations, the bondages, the chains that we don't even recognize. God, we just pray that freedom and power and love and joy and peace, and patience and kindness, and goodness, faith and faithfulness would be released through us. Holy Spirit, fill us, fill us, fill us. You're the very breath of Christ. Fill us and make us holy. Make us beautiful sons and daughters of our Father. We thank you that it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We thank you that, it, that you are at work in us to will and to do those things that are pleasing to you, that you're you're partnering with us in this earth and we present ourselves in this time and in this season to be the body of Christ in the earth. We pray for peace, joy, revelation, wisdom on every household, on every family. We pray, God, you would deliver us from that darkness of loneliness and the darkness of confusion and disorder. We pray you would bring us into wonder and awe. God, thank you. Thank you for miracles today and every day. Thank you for prodigal sons and daughters returning home. Thank you for marriages restored to first love. Thank you, God. Through all the mess, you're keeping your promises. Oh, we love you. Amen. Man, I just... the goodness of God is here. And I will say, if you, you know, you need healing, you, you don't know Jesus, you say, I, I, I want this one to be the savior of my sins as well. I invite you to come forward for healing, for prayer, for anything. Some of you may be facing real big issues. You're welcome. There's an amazing ministry team in it. It's the gift of God to give you answers. Amen. So the rest of you just want to bless you with the blessing of his arrival. Just pray that every day this week you'd be aware of increasing levels of awareness of what it means that the word became flesh. And he's not only dwelling in our midst as a group, but he's dwelling in each of us. And you're the temple. God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his presence shine on your life. May you experience his grace day by day. May you know he's listening for your prayers. He's looking for them. And may you carry that shalom, that peace that passes understanding everywhere you go. God bless you. Merry Christmas. And, uh, Love one another. Amen. <laughs> okay.